Hello and welcome back to Landed, Stories of Newcomers. This is the second episode in our three-part feature of International Women for International Women's Month. Today we speak with Callum Tariku Schatz, an engagement manager on rotation with All In, Diversity and Inclusion, working on racial equity efforts and co-leading research on the racial wealth gap. We also chat with Marilyn Ann McDonald Hendricks, also known as Mimi. She is a multilingual and interculturally competent strategist who connects scholarly publishing with international economic development. Both of these women are connected by The Links Incorporated, an invitation-only social and service organization of black women. It is also the largest organization of black women in the United States. I'll now pass it over to Joe Simperman, Global Cleveland's president, who has the honor of speaking with these incredible women. Hello and welcome to another podcast series, Landed the Stories of Newcomers. We are thrilled today to be joined by not one but two powerhouses here known to many people in Cleveland and Cuyahoga County in Northeast Ohio, and two individuals who really embrace the idea of doing something and of understanding that we have to think global and think uh, local and act global and act local. We are joined today by Kellum Tarike Schatz and Marilyn Mimi McDonald Hendricks, who are gonna be speaking to us a little bit about their engagement and what they've done with us. And we are gonna get going now and we'd just like to welcome Mimi and Callum to our podcast and thank them for joining us today. Hello to the two of you superheroes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having us, Joe. Exactly, thank you, it's an honor. Thank you so much. So we'll start with you, Callum, and then we're gonna go right to you, Mimi. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourselves? As we said earlier in the show, uh, every superhero has an origin story. And so, Kellen, we'd like to know yours of where you were born, where and how did you grow up, and how do you identify yourself, Kellen, and defining yourself as a global citizen? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having us. This is this is just such an incredible opportunity to, you know, share our own stories, and it's been wonderful listening to the other podcasts as well and hearing from other other folks as well. Uh, but a little bit about me. It's not my favorite topic, but I. I do think it's a great opportunity to to always be vulnerable, um, and that's where I think people really uh, really connect. And so I will try my best. But I was born in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, which is um, on the eastern side of of Africa continent. And I've spent um, the most uh, the majority of my life and my formative years here in the United States. Um, um, and that's like from a range of going to school here, my military experience um, and college, as well as as my work. Um, and that's taken me from Indianapolis, Indiana, to New York City, to Biloxi, Mississippi, to Chicago, Illinois. And I also uh, was able to live abroad in London. Um, and luckily, I've had the incredible opportunity to go back to Ethiopia several times. Um, and so that's just a little bit about my where I was born and a little bit about some of the places I've navigated to. Thank you so much. Mimi, would you share a little bit about your origin story and uh, what makes you a global citizen? And, and we're just so thrilled that you're able to join us. Thank you. I, I was actually born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so I hope no one will hold that against me. <laughs> I am from a nomadic family. And when I say nomadic, nomadic in terms of we go where opportunity is. And so in terms of education or whether it was a military or job opportunity, 
you know, whether it's the generation before me, which has a huge influence on my current generation is that my school years really about growing up are as far north as Colebrook, New Hampshire, which is 10 miles from the Canadian border, where we at times were the only African-American family, to Washington, D.C., Cleveland, Chicago, and Germany, and Brazil. I identify as African-American or Black, trying to keep up sometimes with what we're supposed to be using. And then the other thing is, in terms of a global citizen, I have at times called myself a cultural pizza where my upbringing is the dough and then the things that I have encountered in travels or meeting awesome people like Callum or anything. I just want to like throw those toppings on and just, you know, savor life like that. And you know, I wanted to share a quote because my mother gave me a journal and I never fully used it, but I love the opening quote and it's by Laurel Birch and it's called Global Spirit. It says, I am passionately inspired by the infinite beauty of the people of the world, their songs, dances, and celebrations through an unimaginable diversity of traditions and rituals. The extraordinary magic of the human spirit is expressed. These images are in honor of that very special spirit. So I think being a global citizen is more than just about, do you speak a bunch of languages? Where were you born and things? It really is a way in which to approach life. Wow, thank you so much, both of you. That's just extraordinary. Um, global Cleveland has been blessed to get to know you both. Uh, through your incredible leadership with the Cleveland chapter of the Lynx Incorporated. And, and so much of, of the work um, that is happening in the Lynx is, is really leadership in terms of how to engage with the international community. Um, Kellum, I'll, I'll say to you first, can you share a little bit about that? You know, why is that organization so critical? What are the things that you're facing, you know, here as a leader, as born um, in another country and living, you know, her full life here in the United States, but staying connected? And then Mimi, if you would share a little bit too, because, you know, when we think about what are the greats of Cleveland, what are some of the wonders of the world in Cleveland? Clearly the Lynx is one of them. Kellum? No, absolutely. Um, and, and maybe I might have Mimi start. Uh, she's uh, she's been a part of Link's organization um, much longer than I have, and I'm more of a the last two-year member, and I can share a little bit about the impact we've had here in Cleveland, but I'd love for maybe Mimi to give the first, the umbrella view of what Link's Incorporated has done. So I'd like to first say that Callum and I both belong to a variety of organizations. Going back to that global spirit is that we constantly seek out ways in which to connect the world to our local environment and vice versa. And But today, as you said, we're focusing on the Lynx Incorporated. And the Lynx Incorporated is an international not-for-profit corporation established in 1946. Our membership is around 16,000 professional women, mainly of African descent, in 292 chapters located in 41 states. That includes not only the Bahamas, but also London in the United Kingdom. We have some really strong core values that I believe will resonate with Global Cleveland, such as integrity, service, 
respect for self and others. And from an international perspective, we've been the recipient of awards from the United Nations Association of New York. And in 2019, we were nominated for the Luxembourg Peace Prize um, by the Schengen Peace Foundation. And also, you know, just another source of pride of having been recognized by Congressman uh, John Lewis. So with all of that, that's our overall umbrella. But to connect it to our beloved chapter in Cleveland, our chapter was established in 1951. And our programming, which is national, but we always bring it down to the local level, includes five other facets. We call them facets, but they're really program streams in which one of them is international trends and services. And I'm just so excited to be on the committee that Kellum co-chairs for the Cleveland chapter. Thank you. No, it, it's been a phenomenal opportunity. I think as a, uh, a woman who identifies as being um, Ethiopian, I identify as being an immigrant, I identify as an American citizen now, um, and I also identify as being black and these multi-intersectional identities, I think are all celebrated as part of our uh, our organization, the Links Incorporated. And then locally, as Mimi said, um, our international trends and services, what we really try to do is collaborate with community-based organizations, one that we're so proud of, which is Global Cleveland, and the work that uh, Global Cleveland does with refugees and immigrants is just phenomenal. And to tap into that and to share our experiences, but also hear and learn from the incredible diverse populations that are moving to Cleveland and are making Cleveland a better place. It's just, it's just been incredibly rewarding. But, um, but we do partner with local refugee organizations. There's about a few of them. One that we've had about a 10-year relationship is MedWish, where we've done um, you know, providing tangible supplies and medical support to folks in Africa, as well as the local community here, um, and a few others. But um, it's, it's been incredibly rewarding. Well, we appreciate that, and we appreciate Mimi and Kellum. Not only are you, um, you know, talking about this international citizenship, and clearly the Luxembourg Peace Prize is as much of an indication by the globe of your important work and toward peace and supporting people, but you're also making it make sense for people on a very local level in a very tangible way. Um, Kellum, you moved to the United States when you were very young. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? You've spoken a little bit about your cultural identity, and, and thank goodness, and I see the, the 1619 book behind uh, Mimi, and you know, there's, there's so much of an awareness and a consciousness now, right, about yeah. um, the, the, the fight to end systemic racism and the issues that are still um, facing, that so many of our African-American sisters and brothers face as we speak here in 2022, and, and yet you both kind of bridge this international um, uh, um, uh, thinking where, you know, really what you're talking about here is such an important issue toward human values and, and social justice and compassion. And Kellum, if you could share that because you do occupy, you know, a lot of different places with your leadership. That's such a great question. Um, I think every individual has the right and the opportunity to identify however they want, whether it's, um, you know, by race or ethnicity or nationality personally, and I can only share my I story, right, is I think 
you know, coming to the United States at a, at a very early age, I very much identified as Ethiopian, right, first. And then it kind of finally manifested into American once I got my U.S. citizenship. And then I would say in my adulthood, I, I started to recognize that the world in the United States particularly was viewing me as black. And, you know, when I look at my skin, I see brown. And so that that as a child was always something I, I had to figure out. And I think it's now since it's now since evolved into, I would say, an extreme level of pride of being black, a black woman. And again, everyone has their story of how they came to where they're at. But for me, um, it's identifying my my multicultural identities and the intersection of them and the reality that in the United States that our black community just face these incredible disparities. And I think that's fueled a big part of where and why I'm working in the spaces that I do, right? Um, and, and I guess I would leave it with, if I am going into a hospital and I am not declaring what my ethnicity is, they are going to write down black for me. And we know that health disparities in the United States, especially me now as a mother, um, morbidity and mortality rates for black women are anywhere from two to four X at you know death rates um, than non-black women. And so the reality is that there are these disparities, whether I want to admit it or not, but they are. And for me, it was grappling with both the difficult aspect of the disparities, but also the incredible sense of pride in being black, but also being an American citizen. In 1619, uh, as you see behind Mimi, I thought it was also behind me. Um, I think, you know, it, it's a great exploration of sharing the story of, of enslaved people as well as, um, as well as like what does immigrant actually mean for many people and 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 for for me personally it's it's driven why I'm doing the work that I'm doing and in, in racial equity and and trying to alleviate some of the economic outcomes for black people in the US and abroad but um, also a big sense of pride of why I, I really am proud to be a black woman thank you Callum you know Mimi I'm thinking when Callum is speaking and, and sharing her wisdom how differently um, our sisters and bro brothers were treated in ha from Haiti when they were coming, you know, trying to come to the United States differently than, say, my mom was who came here from, from Eastern Europe. And we can't help but think that racism transcends borders and it transcends the way we perceive people, even though these are our international sisters and brothers, right, as much as anyone is. And as a leader in, in the African-American community and someone who is constantly showing everybody, African-Americans as well as non-African-Americans, how to lead through this kind of, of time, can you share any of your insight as somebody who has such a, a, a appreciation for the global aspect, but also realizing that dealing with so many of these issues does come down uh, to something very personal and something that the African-American community in Cleveland faces every day? Wow. Sure. At the end of the day, we really have to look at each other's humanity. And I feel that there is a an opening of, you know, a portal in terms of as the kids would say being woke or, you know, awareness. And we've gone through these various cycles 
throughout the United States history, where most people want to refer to the 60s, as in, or some people want to refer to Reconstruction. You have these, these cycles of awareness, fairness, and then we fall back. Awareness, fairness, and then we fall back. But each time we do as a community, both as the black community and allies, we do push forward. We still keep moving forward. But one has to really be honest with the fact that there are moments where we kind of fall back. And with Haiti or any other country that is not on the top list in terms of what, like, some countries had like a most favorable nation type status. I just want to share really quickly about a story where I was not the one to be at the on the other side of racism or prejudice due to borders. When I was in graduate school, I was crossing the border from Germany to Denmark. And the board we stopped at the border. And the Grenzpolizei, so the, the border police, came around looking to see everyone's passports. I barely lifted my passport from my lap, and they could see that it was a U.S. passport. And they just waved it away. Versus there was another family of another uh, nationality where they took all of their passports, went to the back, because I was quite curious, probably a little too curious for my own good, and saw them punching in the numbers and everything on their little remote devices and the anxiety, the sheer anxiety that you could feel as to whether they were going to actually um, be able to move in, you know, have freedom of movement. So I think that overall that there is, it's, it really goes back to humanity and also recognizing that every community, even the African diaspora, is diverse and that we all have been impacted by different European powers that had different ways of interacting with their own people as well as with their prior colonies. So profound, um, both of you, right? I'm hearing echoes of Walt Whitman when he spoke about being curious and not judgmental. Mm -hmm. and, and you are both embodiments of that intellectual curiosity, but also doing something about it. Would you both share some of your own personal experiences? You've, you've both traveled abroad. You've, you've traveled abroad as Americans. You know, Kellum, you, you, you were you know, born in Ethiopia, as you said earlier. Were there specific challenges that you saw as a woman as we're talking about this during International Women's Month, and things sometimes that people, you know, may be blind to that the two of you have lived that you could share with us your own your own truth and your own reality about being a person who has traveled abroad as a woman, but also things that you have brought back and said, you know, there's a lot of work that we still have to do. Absolutely. Um, I, that's a great question. I think for me, um, the, you know, I keep talking about intersectionality. You can't, you know, the, the Kimberly Crenshaw, she like coined the word intersectionality. And I love how she talks about there's no room for me to be just a woman. Like I am a black woman and I'm also, you know, an immigrant woman. Um, and so when I think about the spaces that I've held, I 
I, you know, in different opportunities, you know, I've been able to take advantage of some of my intersectionality identities. But like you said, there's been opportunities um, and disadvantages where I've been on the, you know, the negative aspect of it. One was being in the military. I was um, deployed overseas um, uh, during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And um, I was a, I would say I was like the the leader of a um, a big group of individuals that were working. And I remember when the leader of one of the, you know, um, of one of the citizens that lived in that country came to my site to talk to the leader of my site, I approached, I approached him and um, he very much did not receive me as the leader. He asked for, you know, kind of like the manager, but he asked for who my leader was. Um, and I said, you know, I am the, I am the, the chief leader of this site. And that for him was very difficult because, you know, we were military occupying their space. And so he did from a, um, a reverent and a hierarchical perspective did have to, you know, speak to me. Um, and so I could tell it was very uncomfortable and I could tell that he felt, you know, kind of disrespected by it. And for me, you know, I just had to help hold my ground. Um, I knew that I was given that, that leadership role for a reason. Um, and to me, that was probably one of the, one of the, the moments where I stepped in and, you know, I could feel, I could feel my body, um, you know, getting taller. I could feel my back standing, you know, going up, standing tall uh, and straight. So I could just show the confidence um, and just be the leader that, um, that, you know, I knew he, he, he should have accepted me as. So that was one. Um, that was probably one of mine. How about you, Mimi? Yeah, you made me think about other things, that intersectionality of traveling as a woman and traveling as a black woman as to when that was positive, when it was neutral, and when it was not so positive. In terms of when I was in school overseas, there were a couple of moments where, as Kellen was talking about, being respected for your opinion and when you were in a place of authority and trying to figure out how to maneuver in a way that would still maintain one's boundaries and not be disrespectful even though there are sometimes moments you have to have some very frank conversations as to how this is going to go. The other thing that was very odd is just even the lack of understanding of the impact of, as you mentioned, 1619 as to project, as to what do black people look like? And what languages do we speak? And so there would be a lot of, uh, what do you, uh, call it? there would be a lot of thinking like, oh, or pigeonholing, I would say at first. So, well, she looks like this, so she must be that. Or, and so there were moments when people would speak to me in Spanish or Dutch, 
you know, anything else and then wonder why I didn't know how to speak their language at that point. Because at that point, my only two languages were English and German. And, you know, there's just a lot of, I would say a lot of mental calculations and the requirement for agility to know when it's because I'm a female or it's because I'm black or it's because I'm a black female. The Venn diagram of the two of you's lives is quite uh, something to behold. Um, and I would just ask both of you as leaders, as brilliant women, as women of color, as warriors for justice, what would you suggest to Cleveland, to people listening, to young women who maybe are having the same experiences that you did but haven't lived the lives that you did, um, for people who've never met someone who is as extraordinarily international as the two of you. You know, a lot of people listen to this, and I guess the, the question is, what advice would you have for Cleveland, immigrant and native-born, in terms of, of how we could become a more full city? And Mimi, if you would start out, I would be really grateful because um, you're, you're living it. And so I would say live like Mimi, but <laughs> clearly, clearly there's something that you could say. Cleveland has really a lot to offer. And Cleveland does actually represent the world, maybe in smaller servings. You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, New York is a really international city. Oh, and, you know, you'll mention other cities. But Cleveland has all of these different gems from around the world. And I think some of it is if you aren't ready to necessarily hop on a plane and use your passport is that there are a couple of places that you can go within the city and just try the food or try the music because people bond around their cultural treasures and they really love it when you also can loud any intellectual accomplishments that came from that particular community. And I think that a lot of these things could be considered semi-underground, but when I was in Cleveland on a regular basis, I was dancing tango, samba, and salsa on a regular basis. You could eat Ethiopian food. Now, it may not be as good as what Kellum could cook. I don't know. But all that to say is that there are a lot of things that are already in Cleveland and that if we just really first started home, that's kind of training before you actually start traveling. And when people come in from different places, we're all new to something on a regular basis, whether you're new at a new job, new at a, at a club. New, so the, that back to that humanity of being in someone else's shoes, and understanding what it's like when you're trying to connect the dots. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier about paying attention to what people are saying, maybe just patience. Everyone has an accent. We always like to say someone else has an accent. But living in Cleveland and other places I've gone to, I have heard my native tongue with the overlay of the world's accents because of their home, you know, their native tongues. 
and I don't react like, I can't understand you, speak English. And that's another thing we need to think about. There is no native, I mean, excuse me, there is no official language of the United States. And I think sometimes we forget about what actually made our country great in the first place is that we do represent the world and that in terms of the intersectionality and being that global spirit is if you start first with the things that people feel proud about, and it doesn't mean you have to like and eat everything or all the music, but at least recognize its validity, then that will then help in terms of the bridge to say, okay, this is how you can then connect to the city. And how about if we haven't had your nationality come here, why don't you set something up so we can then learn and party with you and, and live and enjoy your life the way you did from the homeland? Thank you, Cal thank you so much, Mimi. Callum, anything that you'd like to share here as we Absolutely. wrap up what was too short of a conversation? I could listen <laughs> to the two of you all day. No, I love it. One, I want to radiate Mimi's comment about just being locally in Cleveland. It just There's such an incredible international community. I just want to make a plug for this phenomenal Ethiopian and Eritrean restaurant. It is called Habasha. And um, I love how they, they named the restaurant Habasha. Habasha is a word used to refer to both Ethiopian and Eritrean people. Um, Habasha is neither a race, nor an ethnicity, nor a nation. It is a symbol of peace and unity within our community. And they have that on their website, and I just love that. Um, so I just want to make a plug to just, there's so much richness here in, in Cleveland. Um, and the thing that I would leave everyone with is um, the unique experiences and skills of immigrants and individuals abroad and locally is something we have to remember. Um, I, as a, um, as a woman and as a black woman, as we've been talking about, sometimes I've, I don't feel as confident in spaces because I feel, you know, is my non-traditional background um, good enough? You know, they call it the imposter syndrome. But one of my favorite pieces of research, it's called Diversity Matters. Um, McKinsey published it back in 2015. And although we know that, um, you know, diverse thinking and diverse thought, diverse teams is like the right thing to do. We know that, you know, after looking at 300 plus corporate uh, S&P 500 companies, that the top quartile, so that the top and the highest performing companies um, are diverse in gender and in, you know, ethnic and racial makeup. And so my, 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 advice is both someone who is employing diverse candidates that the bottom line like again not only is it the right thing to do but that it is shifting and creating better outcomes better solutions to the problems we all face and i think as an immigrant and as someone who is a woman be be very I would say um, confident in your uniqueness and that you bring something different uh, to the to the table Thank you so much. We have been joined today by the phenomenal leaders, Kellum Tarike Schatz and Marilyn Mimi McDonald Hendricks, who have just been outstanding representatives of the greatness of links, of the greatness of international leadership and vision. 
the greatness of black women, the greatness of international global citizens. And on behalf of everyone who will benefit from uh, being enlightened by this conversation on this podcast, uh, I want to thank you both for your time and treasure and for the lives that you live that we should all emulate. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Joe. What a great opportunity. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you. This was great. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of Landed, Stories of Newcomers. We are so grateful to Mimi and Callum for sharing their wisdom. Thank you to our sponsors who have made our International Women's Month celebration possible. The Shar and Chuck Fowler Family Foundation, Medical Mutual, and Swagelock. We also want to extend our gratitude to the Lynx Incorporated for connecting us with these amazing women. To learn more about Global Cleveland, please visit us at globalcleveland.org or find us on social media at Global Cleveland. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.